You know what time it is. It's time for the Dodcast. Dennis the Menace. That's me! Y'all ready for this? Do you ever feel like packing your suitcase, texting your boss, quitting the 9 to 5 and just jetting off with your other half around the world? Yes, of course you do. But easier said than done. Where do you go? What would you do? And most importantly, how the hell are you going to afford it? The wonderful couple I speak to in today's episode did just that. These digital nomads travel from place to place seeing where the wind takes them. Or more so, where the wine takes them, as Keith says himself. This is a story of how the path of an Irish chancer and an extroverted yank collided. Keith Bowen and Rachel Rogers travel from city to city around the world where they stay for a month and experience the place truly. Experiencing the culture fully means meeting the most fascinating people, tasting from an array of exotic foods off of various smorgasbords, and getting, to, getting the real authentic experience by getting drunk in every establishment they visit. Rachel set up a personal vacation plan planner company back in 2016 and hasn't looked back since. Being featured on various American blogs, including the well-known Melissa Odebash, her venture continues to go from strength to strength. With a large social following, she's received a number of different clients, providing them with an itinerary off-the-beaten tourist trail track and tailored to every person's need. Keith, a retired international barman, works remotely from a New York copyright company. His tongue-in-cheek turn of phrase has meant that he himself was able to set up a travel blog, which works as a type diary of sorts. He documents his experience in, the light, in a light satirical fashion and again has a large social engagement. We talk about the logistical difficulty of falling in love with a person from another continent, how and why food and drink would always be the icebreaker in any place that you go to, and how to create a life with no permanent home. This episode is how though these people you follow on Insta, which you really envy, do what they do. I really, really enjoyed interviewing these two, and I think you guys are going to really, really enjoy this episode too. So here we go. Let's get this party started. Keith Bohan, Rachel Rogers. How are you? Hi. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show, The Dogcast. Really excited to be here. Good to support a fellow Mike Hunter. <laughs> You're a long way from, well, you're probably not as long away from home as you, as you have been previously, but Keith, you're in Berlin. We're in Berlin. We just arrived maybe three days ago, yeah. four days ago. We're just coming over, or just getting over a cold, which is kind of the reason for our overtly sexual voices at the moment, but we haven't really <laughs> gotten to explore it as much as we wanted so far, but uh, the, like this weekend now, we're going we're gonna to pound the pavement and see what's going on. Yeah. Very nice, very nice. Rachel, how are you doing? How are we feeling? Oh, great, great. I'm uh, really excited about the new year and all the new destinations we're going to be going to. So I, I feel uh, I feel excited to conquer some New Year's resolutions and, you know, get on with it. Guys, these are globetrotters, to say the least. Keith, as he said already, is from my local village in the west of Ireland called Mycullen. And Rachel, am I right? You're from Kansas City. Is that correct? Yeah, Kansas mm. City, Missouri. <laughs> so, I mean, we're going to get into it in the show, but I'm very, very curious to hear why this couple met in a New York pub and now find themselves in Berlin? Yeah. Wow. It's going to be an interesting one. Guys, well, as we do with the start of the show, we do a little game called Association. This, this is just give guys and people a bit of an idea who you're about, what you are as people. So we're going to go straight into it. Now, I normally say ladies first, but I know Keith's going to get upset over that. So we're going men before. Who's this going to say? Anything that comes to your head, first thing comes to mind. Let's just get into it, okay? Okay. Okay, Keith. Galway. Galway. The graveyard of artistic ambition. Very nice. Rachel, childhood hero. Oh, uh, Maggie Smith. Okay. Keith, pet hate. Uh... People who wear sunglasses indoors. Okay. Bono, yeah. Won't I like pay, won't pay his taxes. He's such a hard time in Ireland, isn't he? Terrible time. Rachel, sunny days. Cape Cod. Keith, teenage mutant ninja turtles. Oh, Michelangelo. Rachel, dark chocolate. Oh, uh... My mother-in-law, because she eats a lot of dark chocolate. Oh. That's weird. That's okay. weird. Why did that come to my head? Keith, glandular fever, or if you like, the mumps. 
Oh, stop. Uh, the worst two months of my life. Rachel, turn ons. <laughs> turn ons. Irish accent. Okay. Keith, turn offs. <laughs> uh, the Irish accent. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, vegetarianism. Wonderful. The future. Mm-hmm. Keith, climate change. Uh, jeez, oh, real. Mm. Rachel, Instagram. Amazing advertisement. Keith, sun cream. Oh, I got it. Um, I need lots of it. Copious amounts. <laughs> okay. Rachel, anchovies. Gross. Keith, girlfriends. Uh, no more. <laughs> Rachel, boyfriends. Bad ones. <laughs> Um, Keith, Irish mammies. The best. Rachel, Donald Trump. The worst. Small Se- um, Keith, selfies. Not a huge fan myself. Okay. Rachel, fame and fortune. Nah, not all it's cracked up to be. Okay. Well, you're, you're suggesting that you're, you're famous and fortunate now at this stage, are you? <laughs> yeah, we thought it we thought it like really solidify our marriage, but it hasn't helped. Enough. I, that, that that word always kind of freaks me out. Solidify, it's like kind of slithering in, you know. And we won't get into that, anyways. You know, with those sensual actions that we have, our sensual voice that we have online today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a um, who am I on? Keith Cheese. Cheese. Nineties uh, boy bands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rachel, Wizard of Oz. Oh, Kansas. Keith, beds. <laughs> beds. Uh, insomniac. Rachel, WB8s. What? <laughs> Keith, WB8s. When you ask your friend Yates to write back in a text message. Oh, oh, Yates, <laughs> like the writer. Yeah. Yes, yes, Sorry. yes. Sorry, yes. there we go. Yeah, the writer. Perfect. All the- uh, Keith, <laughs> graffiti. Graffiti. Uh, Banksy. Okay, nice. Uh, Rachel, children. Not yet. Okay. And Keith, lollipops. Lollipops. Uh, <laughs> I like them. Nice. And Rachel, your favorite book? Uh, okay. Uh, okay. It's a series, though, but I really love Harry Potter. Sorry. Okay, that's what you, you held that in. I feel like it came to your head, and it's called Association, and you held back. Why did you I, hold back? Because I felt that it would be a little bit judgmental that Harry Potter was my favorite well, book, is, but then it's, I can't choose which book, mm, you know, because there's mm, a lot of them. That's a good save there. No, I, I don't feel like that's the... This is a full disclosure here. Now, this is a three-way conversation. We're going to get the full... Uh, hour or whatever else from this conversation. Keith, you're, you have something to say there. No, I was just saying that Rachel has been reading Mein Kampf since we moved to Berlin <laughs> and she seems to really be enjoying it. Okay. <laughs> right, well. Um, and, and your thoughts on that, Keith? I just said it's a little bit troublesome, but I mean, you sure. know, I'm in it for the long haul here, so. <laughs> just a passing remark. We're going to go straight into it, guys. This is, I mean, I, I really am struggling to kind of comprehend how, how a Moy Cullen man really hit gold and was able to kind of live the, live the life of his dreams. Can you guys kind of start me off? We'll start with ladies first. Late Rachel, give me a lowdown of, you know, very briefly you know, who you are, what you're about, where you come from, and how you kind of collided with this, um, well, I'm going to say calamity. So, um... <laughs> So I am originally from the Midwest, and after university, I I moved out to New York. Uh, I have a degree in musical theater, so I toured the country for four years and did some theater in New York as well for another year. Um, And I kind of started traveling, doing random solo trips by myself, um, realizing how affordable it was since I was at a hub of New York. And uh, I kind of got addicted and realized I wasn't um, really focusing on being in New York to audition because I was looking for the next best flight deal. And, um, that's kind of around the time that I was, I was at my day off. I'd gotten my teeth cleaned. I'd gotten my eyes checked and I was supposed to go see Alan Rickman on Broadway. And, um, 
my friend recommended just to go next door to a happy hour place, like a, it's an Irish bar. It happened to be an Irish bar. Um, but it was happy hour and I was like, okay, that sounds good. Cause Midtown normally you wouldn't go out for drinks there cause it's really expensive and kind of touristy. And, um, so she recommended to go to the second floor, which I thought was bizarre as well, because why not just walk in and sit down at the bar. But she said there was this really hot bartender that had served her mom and herself like, a few weeks ago. <laughs> and, uh, she wanted to see if he was there. So I was kind of like, yeah, whatever. That's cool. Let's do it. And I walked upstairs and there was Keith. So, and, uh, was it love first sight? No, no. You know, he's a bit of a, a he's, you know, he, he's a bit of a smart ass. So, <laughs> <laughs> You know, as as um, an American, a Yank, as my father-in-law would call me, um, I was, you know, kind of just asking him questions, the normal things that a, an American girl would ask, like, oh, where are you from? Oh, your accent, blah, 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 blah. And at the end of it, he'd given us a round in the house. We went to the show, and he was like, you guys should come back afterwards. So we did. And my roommate didn't seem to have that much interest. She wasn't really showing as much interest as I was. And I kind of like, do you mind if I, and she's like, no, not at all. Go for it. So I just left my number on a cocktail napkin. Yep. Yeah. So that's that. (laughs) And he followed, he followed up, not just followed up. He he really did follow up. He did follow up, man. I, I, you know, I thought it would just be some fun and it was fun. And it is fun. Okay, and and before Keith kind of gets into his story, I mean, starting back in 1985 in a cold rest of Ireland morning, um, Keith, you followed up. Yeah. You went for that, you know, kind of friend scene where the bartender gets a number, he's not sure what to do with it. Was there any ambiguity? Was it where I'm going for this? There was, Dennis, because I I didn't know which name was which at the time, oh, and Rachel, right. Rachel had written both of their phone numbers on the I same napkin. To be fair. Oh, Rachel! So I I sent them both the identical text message until oh, I no, figured no. out which. No, I think it's. <laughs> I mean, I wrote down no, those numbers. Yeah, in just fairness. just to be kind of just so I could figure it out, and then fair. after that, once I knew who Rachel was, then uh, it was great. Everything worked great. out. Yeah. Wow, that's that's really kind of politically correct by the both of you. So you're kind of coming yeah. from the same wavelength. It's kind of it's, it's kind of not overwhelming at times, but you know, as an Irish lad, having girls being so forward in America, yes. it takes a while. It takes a bit of getting used to, you know. But um, yeah. it's I think less less of the kind of games and stuff like that. Just straight down to business. Straightforward, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I'm not gonna say I'm I'm against going straight down to business. I know, but anyways, we'll we'll leave that for the raunchy part of the show. Um, <laughs> Keith, give us your kind of lowdown. What's your what? What are you about? What am I about? Um, well, say around the same time that Rach was moving to New York, I was uh, I was in Galway and I done I done a master's in Irish studies at NUIG. Cool. And the kind of the only path that seemed to lead into was teaching, and I gave primary school teaching a bit of a go, subbing and stuff like that, and I didn't really think it was for me. So then I decided to give America a go. So I went with eight of my mates and we went to San Diego initially, but all the Irish have a bad enough reputation in San Diego from the J1 summers. So no one had rent us an apartment or anything like that. Mm. And also we had to like get a job that was linked to our, our college, our college degree. And like I had a master's in Irish studies in San Diego. So, you know, they weren't knocking down my door for like giving me a job. So then we all went down to San San Francisco, and then two of us pretended that we were going to UC Cal in Berkeley. We rented out a studio apartment, but then when we got the keys, we like called the lads, and we had like, you know, seven more of them come. So then we're all in the studio apartment on airbeds for like months. It was the most intense situation. It was great crack. And then gradually, the boys who were on the three-month holiday trickled home, and myself and another lad, we went to New York. And then... Between the hills and the reels, I ended up bartending in that bar that I arrived on like a Tuesday, I think, and I had that job on a Thursday. Mm. And then I was there for the best part of a year. And then it was it was my last week working there. I thought I was going home for good. And then that's when Rachel walked into the bar. Yes. So, so I mean, I'm only playing devil's advocate here yeah. now. And Rachel, please don't take any offense by this. All right. But um, Irishmen are chancers. Yes. 100%. Yeah. So you're the last week of this glorious visa in this wonderful country where, you know, it's all sun and daisies. And this 
beautiful. I mean, attractive young lady comes in and she leaves two telephone numbers. I mean, this is kind of a beacon of hope for you. Did you yeah. see it as two visas or did you see it as two attractive ladies? Uh, I saw it was a bit of a kind of complication, actually, like at the time, because I it was like my last few days in America and I had all these plans with all my friends and all this kind of stuff, not to call my wife a complication while she's right here beside me. <laughs> okay. But uh, it was very, it was very unexpected. And I'm like, obviously, I'm so glad that it happened. But it wasn't like, certainly wouldn't be Anthony cynical as Anthony to do with visas or all that, because I was kind of happy to be going home. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I, I look, as I said, I'm just playing devil ad, devil's advocate. Oh, yeah. Oh, I understand yeah. that. Um, <laughs> It's, it's one thing my mother would say, you know, oh, I'm sure those fellas out there now and their, Jesus, their visas are about to kind of expire and sure, look, they're only picking up. I mean, how do you go back to your, your, your lovely mother in the West of Ireland and say to her, look, mum, hear me out. I'm after meeting this really, really good girl. Look, I know it's the last week in my, in my visa. It really is true love. I really, really do like her. You know, how do you explain that to your Irish family? Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so but it didn't happen as quickly as that because yeah, we did was, a lot of long distance. So say okay. I we went, we kind of spent a few days together. My last few days, and <laughs> then three days, three days total is what we spent together. And are you a, are you a three day girl, Rachel, or <laughs> should I ask that question? It worked out with my day off. You know, my days <laughs> off lined up. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we kind of we thought that those few days would kind of be the end of it. Not. Not that we were glad to be done or anything like that, but it kind of just seemed that our lives were so uh, divergent. And I was going home. I was actually going home a couple of weeks early because I wanted to surprise my family. And then I went home, surprised surprised them. And then I just kind of text Rachel to let her know how it all went. And we kind of just kept on texting after that. And it was like... And Skyping. Yeah, we started Skyping then. And it was like maybe a Skype every three or four days then a Skype every other day then it like progressed to three or four Skypes a day when we were literally we might as well have been in the same room with each other so then it got to a point where uh, I was like mum would just know that I was Skyping Rachel all the time and then she says herself now in hindsight yeah. that uh, she was like once she could hear me talking to Rachel on Skype she's like that's it like he's you know but it wasn't like you know he's gone he's gone she was like she knew that it was like it wasn't some kind of fling or anything like that yeah. and okay. then we Eventually, we decided we'd I'd, I'd fly over to Rach in New York, and we'd go to Missouri to meet her family, and it turned into this crazy. It's kind of bizarre, thing. just because it was really fast. Like you know, um, so he came over and spent two weeks in New York, and then I was like, you know, this isn't weird. Why you've never been to the Midwest? Come spend two weeks with my family in Kansas City. You know, I look back at that and I think that that's really weird. And the fact that my parents were even okay with it, that they were yeah. like met this person and knew, I've known him for three days. That's weird. But um, I was going to live in London that summer. So um, we went back to Ireland and I spent two and a half weeks in Ireland. And then I wasn't sure if he was going to come over to London or not, but I just told him he could live with me for the summer if he wanted, because I had the space and I'd already rented my apartment and whatnot. And so like two days before he said, would you mind, like, wh- what would you think if I came over for the summer? And okay. Um, okay. So he did. And then it, it kind of just continued on where it's like, we don't want to be apart. Like it was like, what can we do now? Where, how can we figure this out? So, yeah. I mean, we kind of, we, we, we essentially worked really hard for essentially a year and a half of like just figuring out holiday visas and going back and forth like that. Um, yeah, it became, I think the reason that we did things like meeting families really early and stuff like that is because of the complicated, like say, even to be on the same like mass of land, you know, it took a lot of pre-planning and mm. just visas and all that kind of stuff so we had to address more serious questions much earlier on than most couples if you're yeah. just you know are in the same place so that's i think that's why everything kind of got expedited a little bit and then i saw her family then she met my family in ireland and then um but you know it all works it all worked out perfectly because we were all, like we were on the same page with each other all the time and we were like you know checking in with each other and seeing what we thought yeah. we'd you know what we wanted to do and if it aligned with what the other one wanted to do and you know, it worked out really well. Yeah. So your your relationship was essentially built upon the foundation of traveling. Yeah, yeah more or less. Actually, actually, I never thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is this is kind of something that is to some people would seem very alien, bizarre. But for you guys, it's it. This is this is life. This is it. Um, and I think it's really really natural, refreshing to see it like this. It was the um, the outlook that are the persona that I got when I was looking at your kind of Instagram feed and the things that you have online. And it's nice to be able to confirm in my head what I'm hearing now uh, from you from you guys. Uh, so kudos to you guys to start. 
Rachel, you didn't just go to London just for the sake of going to London. Can you tell the listeners why you went to London? Yeah, so I went to continue my studies, um, but specifically in classical theatre at Lambda, the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Arts. So um, it was one of the best summers of my life. I, I really loved it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was it was just great. Day in and day out, I was breathing Shakespeare, eating, breathing, sleeping Shakespeare. I don't know if I was eating it. So yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was an exceptional summer. Um, and I I didn't want to go back, um, to New York once I finished that summer, because, um, when you're able to go back and just really spend the time all day working on your craft and not like going to the restaurant at night, auditioning in the morning, you know, getting up at 5am, you know, waiting for four hours to sing 32 measures and, um, maybe state your name, maybe not, maybe just sing 16 bars cause they cut it. It's, um, you know, as everybody knows, the theater world is really cruel and tough and hard. Um, but it was just a beautiful refresher for me. And I, I learned so much. I mean, without, I think any arts degree that you get prepares you for any other job, maybe not to be a neurosurgeon, fine, <laughs> but, um, you, you learn so many skills and traits that, you know, when people are like, well, you're not using your degree right now. I certainly am in, in so many ways. I, I couldn't recommend an arts degree more for anyone who's like, no one will support me in getting an arts degree. Do it. It is your life. That's all I have to say yeah. about that. Um, and was the dream Broadway at one stage? Yeah. I mean, Broadway is it's a really, I mean, most people can't even audition for Broadway until you have your equity card and it takes 52 weeks of equity work to get your, don't, don't, I don't want to hear anything about equity. I want to hear what was your dream. Thank you. You're right. Yes, it was. It was to, to be on Broadway. I wanted to be able to dance and sing on Broadway. Um, yeah, I mean, pretty much plain and simple. I wasn't interested in film work. I wasn't interested in radio work. Um, it, it was specifically doing live theater. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. And is that still on the horizon or in the back of the head? Maybe when I've transitioned, transitioned out of the age I am hmm. and I'm in one place for sure. But there's right now, how I feel about it is there's too many girls that are five foot two with light brown hair and, um, have a soprano range voice. Fair so okay, when I'm no longer in that, maybe when I'm in my forties, fifties and I can play, you know, be the moms, you know, maybe. Mm, refreshing outlook. You were in London at the same time. What did you do? Were you in a bar or what yeah, were you doing? Yeah, it was very contrasting. Uh, good guess, actually. Yeah, I was in a bar. <laughs> a great did the bar close down again? Uh, yeah, uh, it actually did, yeah. <laughs> I was just, just to, to, just to um, update yeah. our listeners, you can even do it yourself. Tell us the amount of bars that closed down after you uh, worked <laughs> in them. It's a good 80%, I'd say, then. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd say uh, totally unrelated to my... I like to think that it's because the regulars, once I left, they just... Uh, abandoned yeah, yeah, they petered but, off, of course. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But they took all the good-looking women away. That's it, that's it, man, yeah. <laughs> but while we were in London, we had such contrasting like experiences because Rach had come back from Lambda and she'd be doing stuff like... You know, they'd be blindfolded and walking around and just getting in touch with their body and Alexander technique and all this <laughs> like Google stuff. And she just felt like, you know, this is what I, you know, spent all those years in college for. And I just, she, you know, every day felt like she'd really like kick that day's ass, you know. And I was just, you know, I was in a bar that was like an hour train ride away. And it was, you know, after being in New York, bartending, there was no tippet and stuff, you know. So I was like, I'd be back and I'd be like, oh, yeah. You know, and she'd be like, hello, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh it uh it worked out really well for us to be in the same place at the same time but um yeah i was kind of getting that's when i started to try to look for other options from bartending because i was like geez i can't be doing this forever like you know it's good it's a good means to an end but eventually you know i want to do something that i feel a little bit useful for or creative but i I think more than anything that summer was kind of the the union or the unity of two into one and you became one I look. I'm, I'm really good at metaphorical language. Just let me go with it, okay? Please, keep, just give me an opportunity. Give me a chance, okay? So you ended up going to Paris, or where? What happened then? So we 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 went back to the states for a little bit, and that's when Keith applied for his second masters. Um, and and so he was gonna. So we spent like the next year, kind of going back and forth between holiday visas and like you know all that jazz. And then it was, and it was, it was just ridiculously difficult, but, um, 
thankfully he got into the, the, the master's program. Not mm. thankfully, he's so smart. I just meant no, no. It was it was kind of it was great for us, like at the time, because we we were kind of going through the motions a little bit. Yeah, mm. Rach was uh, working as a waitress, and I was bartending, and we were. You know, it was just whatever we could do to stay together and stuff like that. But then we weren't like fulfilled in any way in terms. Yeah, of, like, we weren't doing anything like. Yeah. We I think we really wanted to be doing, and we were hardly seeing each other because we only had one day off a week, maybe together. Yeah. So it's kind of like, what's what is like the point of this? What are we doing? So we kind of reevaluated. And when he got into the masters, um, I actually uh, emailed like a ton of companies, uh, like wedding planning companies in New York. And so I started working for a wedding planner that autumn. Um, and I got to do like nine weddings, which was pretty cool. And the time that I was working there, um, and they're all like, like kind of luxury wedding clients. They were, they were spending like 500,000, maybe more on their weddings. So it was, um, really interesting because I knew that I was good at planning things and I was organized and I also had a really vibrant personality. So it's, it's really a great way to work with brides who are nervous and, you know, you kind of like reassure them about everything. Um, and I thought maybe it was a different way to be creative. And when I kind of realized that I just didn't want to have to be responsible for if something went wrong with the $300,000 they spent on flowers, um, (laughs) I, I started emailing companies in Europe, which sounds really bizarre, but it's like, I want to travel and I want to do something. I think what could I do with my acting degree could be being a guide and like making history come to life. So I emailed a ton of companies and I, um, got an interview, a, a phone interview for a company in Paris. And, um, so I had the phone interview and, um, that was in like the first week of December and Keith was supposed to come over cause he was done like with his, like his break. And, um, and then we were going back to Ireland for Christmas and they, they emailed me a week later. So the second week in December and said, you know, you've gotten, uh, you know, you've gone through the first round and we'd like you to come in for a second interview in person. Um, this is the date it is in January. So I, I quit my wedding planning job and I booked, I re I changed my flight from a round trip flight to a one-way flight. And I, uh, went for Ireland. I went to Christmas, um, in Ireland and I was just going to go straight to Paris. You guys, well, I mean, Keith, we all know a Mike Cullen, um, childhood of, of be- growing up, um, digging mm-hmm. to go to Australia, the likes yeah. I mean, was, was kind of travel always on your horizon? I mean, you, you were kind of a home bird in general and all of a sudden you just jump ship, really. Oh, uh, no. For me, Dennis, it was the exact opposite in that I think um, until maybe the age of 25, I was going around as part of like a seven or eight headed monster, you know, that I'd never do anything without all the lads beside me. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't think about doing anything unless you had approval of like four or five people to do it with you, you know? Mm. And I mean, that's grand for at a certain age, but then, you know, when you're coming into your like mid twenties, you should be kind of thinking a bit more for yourself, you know? So it was kind of, um, I think, I think moving to New York was great for that because it was the first time that I'd actually gone somewhere by myself and I had to figure that all out myself. And was it scary? I I wouldn't say scary because I was definitely really excited about it, but it was, I I don't know. It's, it's just, you kind of, the book stops at you, so if, if you don't do it, no one else will. So it's kind of just, it gives you a reality check and a much needed one at that age. I should you know, that's what most people would be doing at 18, maybe 17, you know, getting out of the house, getting jobs, paying rent, all that kind of stuff. I was, you know, fully grown man, you know. <laughs> Were you saying this to yourself during during that time or was it only no way. Kind of a post-taught realization? No, it wouldn't have been a mindful thing at all. I just kind of, you take it step by step and then you're like, yeah. he's out to find an apartment you know and then you're like well how am I going to pay for this apartment and then you know the savings that you had are gone for the down payment and then you're like you need to get a job you need to keep a job then when you have a job you're like this isn't paying me enough I have to get a better job you know this kind of stuff and then you need to find drinking money and you need to like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Deal but I, I think <clears throat> the biggest blessing that I had I think in life was that I wasn't that good at sport which meant to give me the opportunity to actually travel what happens to an awful lot of guys I think they get caught up, but there's nothing wrong with it. I think you know, I absolutely adore the rugby and the football that I play. But at kind of pivotal ages where you're supposed to learn and you're still kind of opening your mind to new thoughts and expression, and you're kind of spent uh, kind of playing in your local kind of proximity, I, I was lucky, I think. I, I, I mean, for yourself, was it kind of, was it always in your horizons to kind of spread your wings or would you have been happy to even just stay in my Cullen? You you were a tidy rugby player, no? 
it was more so my brother I'll, I'll, I'll concede I played a yeah. little bit of rugby but thankfully injury got in the way of me so yeah um, I like it, I think it's like anything else in life that it's easy to kind of you can give this kind of backstory and romanticize it and make it look like oh I always had this feeling you know mm. but I was just doing it kind of step by step and all those steps weren't kind of like too thought out it was like I have to do this I have to do this do you know what I mean now I have a visa, I have to apply for an extension. If I don't, I have to go home. And then when the, you know, it's just things like that. You kind of, you only see the wood for the trees maybe like a year later. Yes. You know what I mean? And that, um, and then sometimes there was people that had kind of helped you along the way that you don't even realize until after. I, like when I was working in the playwright in, in Manhattan there, there was a bartender I used to work with, a guy called Johnny Firth. And he, he was about 40 and he's just this soundest guy. Everyone would leave the bar being best friends with him you know and he he was just the most perfect bartender when I was working with him the amount of tips would make was just ridiculous like but he'd always kind of look at me and be like what are you doing here you know you're too like you're young you should be doing something else you're wasting your time you know this is like he's like it's okay for me this is blood money like at this stage I don't like you know I have my apartment in Hell's Kitchen I'm you know living three minutes away you know I'm, I'm happy with this but you should be looking for more you know and it was kind of I think in the end he kind of convinced me without me realizing and that's when I started applying for the masters back home and all that and I'm really thankful that I did that because it was kind of this um kind of it punctuated the whole going through the motions of bartending and all that kind of stuff like um and that was great and sadly Johnny passed away a couple of years ago I'm sorry to hear that yeah but he was uh I, it was kind of when we all started talking about him at the funeral I was like Jesus do you know what the amount of influence that guy had on my life without me realizing it until now you know and that I think it's a part of just like you're trying to get through yourself and then you kind of bump into these people, whether it's the universe or just by chance or, you know, there's some things that you're open to hearing and some things that you're not. But eventually, you know, it's like that saying, you know, wherever you go, there you are. You know, you just have to do it, you know, to get wherever you are. And is it universe or is it chance, Keith? I, I wouldn't be a big believer in like karma or the universe and stuff like that. I think it's it's just a matter of being a bit proactive and being a bit ambitious and being a chancer as well. I you think chancer above all else. What do you think? <laughs> Richard, you were 16 and you traveled to, what was it, Australia, New Zealand. Yeah. You also got the, the bitten by the travel bug very early as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. So I, I had saved a whole year to do that trip, uh, and I went by myself to do it. I didn't nobody else going, so it was, um, yeah. I guess I guess it kind of happened early, but I just I loved it. Yeah. And you said you you needed to put a kind of a bit of money together. You seem like you you're very good at being able to kind of get kind of we'll go back to the word equity together again to to be able to kind of fund these types of things and have the life that you want to have and live. Um, any thoughts or any ideas on that? Yeah, I, I think um, it's kind of just like I, I decided I wanted to do something and I knew what I had to do to get it. I, I knew the amount that I needed. Mm. And then you just kind of set your mind to it. Like, you know, like just you kind of get this drive where you're like, I want to get to that goal. I want to get to that goal. And, and you just you do it, whether that's, you know, I mean, what, I was working at a grocery store and I was working at like American Eagle, like a clothing store. And I just was like saving up my money. And, um, you know, I was just trying to be smart with what I had. And, um, mm. I don't know, I kind of feel the same way about, you know, a lot of it's chance and a lot, it's most of it, I think is guts. It's just saying like, what do you have to lose? The most you have to lose is that it doesn't work out and you go back to doing what you were doing and, and what, maybe your pride is hurt a little bit, but I don't know. I mean, that, that's not that much to lose when you're at this point when it's not like I have like seven children to feed and a mortgage and three cars and two dogs. You know, when you're not risking other people's lives, it's just your own and maybe your pride is going to be a little bit stung. Come on, Mike. This is what life's about, isn't it? I mean, yeah, that's uh, that's a nice thing. I'm kind of seeing parallels between the two of you there. So it's, it's very fresh. Let's fast forward again back to where we were just discussing uh, Paris. You found yourself in. Yeah. So I went for, it's kind of crazy. I, the interview was really fun. They told me the biggest thing is they said, you need to come in and be able to change a bike tire, like the tube when it goes flat, change a bike tire in under 10 minutes. So I was kind of like, what the hell, how am I supposed to learn how to do this? Where do I go to learn how to do this? So it was really great in, um, uh, where is it? Is it in Terryland Park? Terryland, yeah. Yeah, in Terryland. I went into this bicycle shop and this amazing Polish man 
the nicest man in the world. And my, my in-laws sent like brought him cases of beer. He taught me for three days in a row how to change a bike tire in under 10 minutes, like hardcore getting your hands like all black because. And cue Rocky music or something. <laughs> <laughs> With montage in her. Yeah. You're the best. <laughs> it was, uh, it was just, it was unreal because I, I just couldn't believe somebody was so nice to like randomly walk into the shop and I like tried to pay him. He's like, what are you talking about? Just come back here. And he just spent like these three days helping me do it. Like, I think I spent like two hours, one hour and then 30 minutes the last day. And he kind of was like, you got this. And so I went over and not only did I have to memorize a monologue, um, about one of the, you know, one of the monuments in Paris. And then I had to put it together myself. So you have to like put together the history and then make it exciting. So I had to do this in front of 50 other people people then they were like no everybody here's a tire here's a bike and here's a tube that's flat and here's a new tube put it on you know and then we had to do that um and that was my how i got my job and um thankfully i found out a day later um keith came over with me and i i got hired and then uh i started training to be a bike tour guide in paris and it, it is literally the best job in the world i've ever had anybody who wants to, oh my gosh it's just it's the best seriously you heard it here first yeah, we actually like made fr- good friends with the people who were Rachel's like colleagues or like fellow tour guides, mm. and they were all saying that they were all at the same interview that Rachel was at, and they were all like, "Oh, this bitch," because she was just so scared <laughs> and so like seemingly confident. And you my know, acting degree helped; it really did. My acting degree. But helped. that was just Rachel. Like inside, she was like just freaking out, but she's like, "I want this job so much. I want this job," you know. And she thought everyone else was feeling the exact same as her. But then they were. They were saying, like, from their perspective, that she was just like head and shoulders above everyone else, which oh, is that's nice of you to say. Which is uh, it's cool. No, I, I worked with a lot of great people, and it was just um, it's it's hard to not be happy when you're getting to exercise all day, uh, drink a lot of wine, see beautiful sights. And you're with, you're working with everyone who's on vacation, so people on vacation tend to be Even really happy and easygoing. So yeah. it's it, you know altogether, you're like, oh, another day working with happy people and drinking wine and biking around France. Terrible. Yes. Yeah. You know. So at the same time, Keith, were you doing that degree or did you come and join yeah. at that stage? Or uh, Well, both. So I, I was doing the master's and then I'd say, man, every three weeks I'd fly over to Rach mm. in Paris. How difficult? Um, so it'd be like, you know, it'd be like 70 euro for a Ryanair flight over and then trip, yeah. I'd leave right after my lecture on Friday evening and then I'd get back just before my lecture on Monday morning because they were all compulsory lectures so you couldn't really be missing them. And then, so I was back and forth the whole time, but it wasn't like that much of a, wasn't that much of a struggle. It was kind of, it was a bit of crack, you know, because it would break up the semesters really easily. But I was, yeah, while I was doing that master's, Rach was doing the, doing the tour guide. And then once we finished the lectures and I was doing the thesis, I moved over to Paris to her and I finished off the thesis. Very nice. And at the same time, you were applying for jobs as well in New York. How did that work? No, not really. Like I was, I always had the idea in my head that I wanted to be a copywriter and I, I thought that this is the next step that I needed, this qualification. Okay, but okay. we were kind of like I was saying before, we, we weren't even thinking that like that long term because I was, I was kind of thinking, oh, will I go over to Rachel in Paris or should I stay in Galway to do the thesis? And then I went over to Paris and I was like, all right, now I have to like concentrate on getting this thesis done. And it was all like, like little incremental steps like that yeah. with the like ultimate goal of getting a job in New York as a copywriter. But certainly I didn't make any like like direct strides towards that at that stage. It was more, um, maybe a year later, was it? Yeah, no, but I mean, pretty much once the, once the masters ended and like the summer was done, um, I mean, he, he spent really seriously two months just emailing every day. Mm. Like, and it yeah. feels like it's into a black hole, you know, yeah. like I'd come, I'd come back from work and he'd be like, you know, I sent off 40, you know, uh, emails today with my resume and I, I did mock, mock, um, sorry, what's it called? Mock. Oh, like mock ads and stuff like that. Mock ads and things like that. You know, and everybody, like any job, everybody's like, we want you to have five years experience. And you're like, how the F am I going to get a job when I, when mm. I know people give me a chance to have experience, you know? Yeah. But, um, it really know, paid it off because eventually, yeah. I mean, it was grim for a while there. I'd just be like, it'd be like, yeah, like Rach said, you'd have these square eyes to be on the computer for like 14 hours a day, emailing, never get any responses except maybe an out of office reply. <laughs> and then there was, I got like two interviews, but then the two of them canceled last minute because oh, I had shite. quote unquote, like experience. And it's understandable, you know, like if you're a company that like this is big business and if, you know, why would you take a shot on someone with no experience when you can just hire someone for the same amount with experience, you know? But then one company, a creative director got in touch with me and he, he said he loved my, the writing style on my CV because I kind of, 
instead of actually giving experience because I had none, I kind of wrote this like kind of tongue in cheek uh, bi- biography about myself at the start. Oh, okay. Uh, and it's something like something about that resonated with him. And then he called me in for an interview, and I got the job. And it was like yeah, turning point was great. But um, also. I think like a big thing is he he hand wrote letters to each person that interviewed him. Oh, oh sent yeah. them and that like really. I highly recommend doing that in yeah. interview. I don't know, maybe it'll work more to almost Americans than Irish people because we're a bit more cynical in Ireland. Like, but <laughs> I um I because I got interviewed by I think it was five separate people, and I sent them all thank you cards. And after like once I got friendly with them when I was working there, they're all like, oh, you know what. That was the turning point for me. Like once I got that card, I was like, we got to give this guy a job, you know? So it's, it's, uh, it's always something that I tell people that it's a great idea to do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, again, you heard it here first. My, my mother always says, oh, you know, a good thank you card never goes astray, but you, you know, she, I'm finally hearing it. You know, it's, you get jobs as a copyright in, in, in New York. Yeah. All places. <laughs> Yeah, with no experience. <laughs> with, no, <laughs> with no experience. Yeah. Uh, so fantastic. I mean, things are kind of uh, finally kind of lining up now. Rachel, are you still working for this? Are you still getting your hands dirty with this uh, bike job? No. When we went back to New York, I I was just like an angry monster yeah. because I um, <laughs> that makes me sound crazy. I kind of am crazy, but I was just, you know, after going from that, going back to, I was nannying and kind of doing like a bunch of side jobs and I just wasn't happy. So um, there was actually a um, opportunity in Keith's company and he was like, Hey, they're doing this referral referral program where if you stay for a year, you get $7,500 bonus. And I was like, Hey, that's great. And we were engaged at this point. So I was like, this is like the wedding year. We're having two weddings a week apart. All of our money was going towards these ridiculous events, which were amazing, but crazy. And, um, so I was like, let's do it. Let's try sales. So I interviewed, I got the job and I, that's when I was working in sales for the year. And I was like, really like stay one year. I'm going to stay that one year. We're going to get that bonus. And then I'm out of there. Okay. Okay. Um, you said that was, uh, I just slid over that. That was the year we actually got engaged. Keith, I remember there's a pub called the forge there again in my Cullen, the West of Ireland. Yeah. And I was talking the Christmas that you just got engaged. Do you remember that? Yeah, I worked there. You worked, you worked at the forge. Yeah, of course I did. I worked there, worked up in super value next door. I did the whole, the whole my Cullen run up field. No, but I remember we were actually sharing a pint and uh, God, I mean, I don't know if I'll ever find love, but I remember saying to you, I was kind of, I was desolate, I was despondent, and I said to you, you know, Keith, you know, when do you know, or how do you know? And you know, I, I thought you'd kind of, we were having, having a few points or whatever, and you yeah. said, you know, you know, Dennis, you just, you just know. I remember you saying that, I don't know why, you, you, you brought her to the, what was the, the, the castle that you firstly brought her to, can you tell us a little bit how you got in your knee and got it dirty and... Oh, stuff, alright. <laughs> anyway, so... We kind of been talking about getting married, but we were saying that it'd be much further in the future because everything was so hectic and we didn't know what we were at. So while Rachel was in Paris as a tour guide, I was planning to surprise her with uh, with an engagement. And the whole family was involved, mum and dad and Greg, my brother. And we'd, uh, we'd be talking about all plans and all this, and I'd be showing mum rings and she'd be like, you know, giving me her, her two cents worth or whatever. So then I decided to do it on Christmas Eve and I had the, I had the ring. And then Rachel came over and what were we doing? Oh, we were in the house all day and we were like wrapping gifts and all this kind of, you know, the Christmas stuff beforehand. I was wearing my robe and slippers. I did yeah, not look attractive Rachel was chilling. And then I was, <laughs> I was like, come on, we'll, um, we'll go outside and get in cabin fever. We'll like go into town or something, do something useful with ourselves. And so Rach got ready and we went into town and I had this ring, but I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I didn't like know where I was going to go for the proposal. I don't know, whatever. I was just in the car driving from my Cullen. And I was like, what are we going to do here? And then, so Rach is obsessed with castles, like castles and sheep. It got oh, to, like, they're the best. It got to the a best point, combination. It got to a point where I had to be like, I can't stop for every castle, especially every sheep in Connemara. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Don't shut a face to Yeah, it had about 15 years of our lives. But uh, they're just out the road from us, there's a castle called Glenlow Abbey. And at that time of the year, because be, it was dark at that stage, and it was um, all lit up for Christmas, and it was gorgeous. I said, this would be perfect for Rach now, and she doesn't see it coming at all, so it will be ideal. So we drove, we drove in around the back where there's, car, there's a car park, 
and then I didn't realize that we had to like walk across this big marshy bunch of grass across to see like sounds quite seedy like yeah yeah come over yeah. to this marshy area over here yeah. and I don't know why I didn't think it was weird but I, I mean I was in my stilettos and he's like well why don't we just let's go look at this window yeah you know and I was like oh yeah I mean and, and normally he's like wait we're not going to stop for another castle so why I didn't think it was weird that he's like let's go look yeah at the stained glass Rachel would normally you be know? like Rachel would normally be like oh can we stop here I'm like stop I'll just keep on going <laughs> So, but she wasn't suspicious anyways, which is great. And <laughs> then I, I was walk, we were walking across the, the grass and Rachel was sinking in cause she had like high heels on. I was like, oh Jesus, it's a nightmare. And then we went over to the actual castle itself and Rachel was like, oh my God, can you, can you imagine how, how hard it would have been to build this? Like how long it would have taken? And I was like, oh yes, this is perfect. She's getting into the kind of romantic, like castle state of mind. And she's like, ah, those workers must've had such horrible, hard lives. <laughs> I was like, oh no, this moment is absolutely gone. I was getting very historical. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then, um, I don't know, it was like, it was really nice and peaceful around there. And eventually the kind of the mood changed and it seemed like the right moment to do it. And Rachel was kind of walking away from the castle. Like, look, I don't know where you were looking. And anyways, I, I got know. down on the one knee and when she turned around, Pop the question. Pop the old question. It was very romantic. It was very uh, and, and And Keith, man to man, were you shitting yourself? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's a very, um, it's a very foreign feeling. You know, you'll never do anything like it. And as even though I kind of, I knew, I think the two of us knew at that stage that we were going to get married and spend the rest of our lives together. Even with that, which would have been a pretty solid thing to have in your pocket when you're about to propose, I was still just like absolute butterflies and. You know, you just, and you, a big part of it is the kind of pressure you're putting on yourself to make it memorable for, say, for Rachel. I didn't want it just to be like one of these, you know, throwaway things either. Yeah. So you're kind of making sure that it's up to scratch and, you know, you want to get the ring right. And, you know, as lads, like, stereotypically, did, it was, it's perfect. stereotypically, we wouldn't be the best for, you know, that kind of thing, you know, Absolutely not. picking up, picking up hints and stuff. So I think, um, yeah, I put a bit of pressure on myself for it, but it worked out. It worked out very well. How did you know the ring size? Oh, I when, I when I was... Um, the first time you came to New York. Yeah, I got her a ring in, you know, the cladder shop there on the Spanish Arch. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, and I kind of guessed it was like the size, her ring finger would be the size of my pinky. And that fitted her perfect. So I kind of had an idea then when I was getting the ring itself. That, that is intuition right there, Rachel. <laughs> Keep her. Mind games. <laughs> Mike, that's what it's all about. So let's yeah. talk about the here and now, guys. You're, you're, you're here and now. Um, oh, the hand has gone over the shoulder. It's gone. That's lovely. Um, you're you're in Berlin at the moment. Yeah, I want to talk yeah. about your growing company, Rachel, and I want to talk about your fantastic writing and your blog, Keith. I want to talk about kind of everything. Um, where do we start, Rachel? Give me a little bit of a lowdown. Um. Okay. So I I started my company in April, um, 2016. Um, so I kind of just took a, a big chance and just said like, let's try this, you know, there's nothing to lose except, you know, just going back to what I was doing. So, um, you know, I, I started with that and I was really fortunate enough, um, to have a copywriter as my husband. So he was really able to help me with my website and his whole creative team, um, you know, really became a lot of our close friends. And so they all helped me in designing my website and, um, you know, my, um, logo and everything like that. And so it really kind of, you know, by having something like a really nice foundation helped me to kind of jumpstart. And, and then I just started, you know, posting on Instagram and a Facebook page and kind of just trying to like put myself out there, like, let me plan something for you. Um, and you know, it's just, it's, it's grown, you know, from me wondering, you know, am I going to get an inquiry in the next month or two months to, you know, I feel so, so fortunate that I, you know, I'm getting inquiries, um, every week now. And, um, it's, I, I, I hate, it sounds like I have a big head. I'm not trying to have a big head. I'm just really proud of myself and it's been so much work. And you know, there's a lot of scary moments where you're just like, I want to be able to pay my bills. You know, like yeah. Keith yeah. is Keith. Um, Keith is such like an awesome partner in crime to have, but you know, I'm paying my way, my half, you know, and I feel really proud of myself about that. And my business is only continuing to grow. And it's just from, um, you know, pushing just like, you know, really like putting yourself out there. And, um, and of course, like people taking a risk on me and word of mouth is just so, so, so amazing and huge for my business. So, um, you know, it's been really exciting. And the fact that we're traveling full time, 
that's like what makes all the difference because I'm offering something that I think is even more unique because most people, whether they're the best travel planner in the world, they don't have the vacation time to, to spend a month in Paris, a month in, in every city that they plan to. So, um, you know, I feel really fortunate to have that, um, leg up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For the story, vacations. Just for you listeners, uh, we'll talk about a little bit at the very end how you can get in reach with the lovely Rachel Rogers here. I actually sent you a little uh, request, so you'll see a Dennis O'Dwyer. Uh, yeah, yeah. So maybe you can, I don't know, mix things up for potentially a love coming in my way. But we'll we'll see about that. Keith, <laughs> the other the other half. Yeah. Tell me. Talk to me. So where to start? So I got that job copywriting, and it was you know when people are like, oh, my, it was my dream job. It actually was my dream job. I was doing, you know, getting to write all this, you know, using my kind of smart ass kind of annoying sense of humor, but for like emails <laughs> and being the being a kind of brand voice for a company, which is cool, and you Love can it. have a bit of fun with it, and you can write ads. And I was writing the, you know, all the basically anything the customers would see, I got to be the voice that they'd like they'd be reading, and it was really really cool, but. After about a year of it, uh, I kind of started getting itchy feet again. And myself and Rachel had talked about doing the, the Santiago, uh, what's called the Camino. Yeah. And once we started talking about that, we couldn't get our minds off it. And Rachel, then she was working, she was doing her year at the same company that I was at. And we were um, we were just coming up to the year. And so Rachel knew she was going to leave. And we'd been talking about this. And I was like, oh, Jesus. It was kind of like, I didn't really want to go, but I definitely wanted to just do something else a little bit because yeah. I was feeling, I kind of, the fact we'd been traveling so much, I was getting itchy feet, being in the one spot for a year and a half or whatever it was. So I ended up giving in my notice to my creative director, the guy who had taken that shot on me out of nowhere, you know, and it was kind of a stinger to even do it. And he was, he was a bit sad that I was leaving. But then he said, would I consider staying with the company if they let me work 100% remotely? Oh, wow. Absolutely. So that meant that, I could do the same job that I loved, but I could do it from, you know, my apartment in New York or from Galway or from Berlin, like I'm doing now. And then from that, from that point on, we're like, all right, myself and Rachel, like we got to take advantage of this now. Yeah. You know, we're not tied down. We don't have a big lease. We don't have any kids. We don't own anything. We don't own anything. Yeah. We live out of, like at the moment, we live out of one suitcase between the two of us, one suitcase and two backpacks. That's crazy. Yeah. So then (laughs) we just, um, no shoes. You can't be too stylish. (laughs) We just, okay. Okay. Yeah, and it you know turned into you know a couple of trial months, turned into a year, and now we're into our second year of it, and we'll definitely be doing another year at least, probably. Loving more. every minute of it. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's obviously the stuff you post on Instagram is a bit of a highlight reel. You know, you're not going to be like, here's me at 11 p.m. You know, editing two lines of an email. You know that kind of stuff. But our, our Rachel will be like, you know, answering a call at 3 a.m. from a client who's like, you know, asking her for the conversion rate in Sweden or something like that. You know. That there's always these little things, but it's so it's so worth it, you know. Like it's uh, it's it's one of those things that I think as people, especially in Ireland, you're really inclined to downplay everything and you know be like, oh, it's pure dumb luck or it's not as good as it is. But I think we really have to like appreciate it because yeah, uh, you know, something's happened in life that like you just can't predict. So we don't know what will happen in the future so it's great that while we have this opportunity and we're both on the same page that we both want to travel and we both have our own remote businesses that we just want to take advantage of it and kind of just absolutely make the most of every day yeah as cliche as that sounds no no it's not but what, what, whatever about being grateful you said the both of you guys said it's about making it happen doing it yourselves yeah you know this didn't happen by chance I'd like to think you no. guys went out of your way this is you've created or amalgamated this life that you yeah. want it. Yeah. And it's refreshing. It's it's nice to talk to you guys in in, in a Airbnb. Yeah. Yeah. In an Airbnb in Berlin. Where are you guys in Berlin? Tell us a little bit where you where you are. Eastern side of Berlin. Yeah. Close to the GBR. Yeah, yeah. So um we're just we're just right, almost right on kind of like the borderline of um like between East and West Germany. So um it's a, a really cute neighborhood, calm. Um, but you know, it really feels like home. It's important to have a place that feels like home when you're traveling full time, because, you know, if you're working from your apartment, you know, you need a space that's separate from your bed. Like, so, um, having some place that you just feel like you're like, okay, I can breathe here. I feel like happy and comfortable. It's Airbnb is perfect for that. It's incredible. You get better as you go along. We're we're getting more experience. You know, at the start, we were just looking for the area, but now we have all these prerequisites, you know, we'll be like, 
Do you have a washer, dryer? Uh, is you know what's the Wi-Fi speed? And you know it's not to be high maintenance, but it's just like if there's no Wi-Fi, it'll make our lives miserable. It's up. Clothes, it's stupid. Yeah. So we have these kind of deal breakers, and then if we can find, usually I say we, but it's Rachel because she's just a ninja at this stuff. But if we can find the proper balance of you know stuff, <laughs> stuff that we need and stuff that we'd like, you know, like say the location. Uh, accessibility to you know just stuff like bars and cafes and all that kind of stuff yeah. it's because you, you don't want to be so far out the thing is like you want to be in a neighborhood that's not just touristy where all the restaurants are going to be not nice overpriced yeah. but you want to be in close proximity that you can maybe walk into where you're at like you know i wouldn't say you know, like if you're in Dublin, I wouldn't recommend anyone staying in Temple Bar, but maybe stay in like Rath Mines. You get an idea of like Oranala, like a nice yeah. neighborhood. You can have cute coffee shops, but it's really easy. You can still walk in if you want, if it's not pouring rain. Actually, Dublin, it doesn't rain as often. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like you have to have like a nice mix. And then it really gives you a vacation because it's not a vacation when you're staying in like zone one in Paris and you're mm. just surrounded by like selfie sticks. You know, it's not nice. <laughs> It's funny that you use that comparative between Ireland and where you are now. So uh, we just did a big, lovely holiday with the family. And I mean, you know, obviously you have all these kind of tourist sites and attractions and whatever's to see. <laughs> My father literally constantly does comparisons between Ireland and wherever else we are. So we're walking down the street or whatever, and there's all this, you know, memorabilia of the place and whatever, the, whatever else. And he goes, Jesus they get you like fucking Killarney here. <laughs> I was like, that is the quote of the holiday. They're um, uncannily so, similar, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. So, so some little niche questions for you guys now. Um, Rachel, to yourself, uh, top European destination? Budapest. Budapest. And Why? It's affordable. It's beautiful. It's jam-packed with such interesting history. And you will live like a king, even if you feel like you're a pauper at the moment in your life. You will literally be able to eat amazing food, top quality wine, baths, massages. I mean, it's crazy. So what doesn't matter what your budget is, whether you're a student or you're the most established person, like everyone could enjoy Budapest. It's yeah. great. Keith, best European bar you've been to or even American for that, for that matter? Oh, that's a tough one. Actually, one of the bars I used to work in in New York, it's called the Carnegie Club, and it was class. Like, it was a, it's a cigar club, and they have all nice whiskeys and stuff, but it's like this um, stepping back in time. It's really cool. Or there was another one called the Blind Barber that you actually walk through this, like, fully functioned barber shop that closes at night, and then they slide a door open, and you're in this bar. Those in New York were class. In, in Europe... Oh, you can't like the ones in Galway. You can't go wrong with the Galway bars, can you? <laughs> like that little snug in Carvins or Chinochtons, Regan's in my Cullen, probably top of the list. <laughs> yeah. I'm funny. I'm kind of not unlike your dad. I'd be kind of constantly comparing everywhere to Galway. You know, I'd be like, Barcelona is the Galway of Catalonia. <laughs> you don't think it's the other way around, man? No. <laughs> so that's like the biggest, uh, the biggest praise I can give to a place. It's the Galway of its respective country. You know, Berlin is actually the Galway of Germany. I hear. Rachel, uh, top three places on the bucket list. Oh my gosh! Okay. Straight up. Um, Thailand. Okay. Uh, Number one, I really want to do Thailand and a full moon party and just copious amounts of scuba diving. Uh, number two, uh, I really want to spend um, a month in Lisbon. And number three, Amsterdam. But it's mm -hmm. so expensive. Yeah, but I'm going to. Haven't done Amsterdam yet, no? No, not Amsterdam wow. yet. No, I know. Yeah, well, I mean, you are in Europe and um, when in Europe? It's on the list this year. It's on the Terrific. list this year. So. Yeah. Uh, Keith, not to do another kind of question around the bar, but it's important to me. Oh, no. Drink of choice. Uh, it kind of changes as the mood hits me. Like, you know, obviously, pint of Guinness over Christmas, it was nothing but Guinness and hot whiskeys. But myself and Rachel drink a lot of, a lot of wine usually. Winos. I don't know how it'll work in Berlin because it's a big beer country here, but a uh, big fan of an all, an all red good for the blood pressure there's too much good wine in europe and nice quality to not enjoy it yeah oh it's crazy it's crazy okay um, yeah. and the final question i have for the two of you it's together is where will you be buried i know mine Père Lachaise. 
I'm sure I won't be allowed in there because number one, I'm not French and you have to be pretty famous to get buried in Père Lachaise in Paris. But I think it's a nice in between. Nobody can be upset that I wasn't buried in America or in Ireland. But I feel like just France is that neutral territory and I have a sickness for France. So I'm weird and I say Père Lachaise. <laughs> Oscar Wilde's there. Come on. Oscar Wilde. Uh, oh, where would I? I'd have to be my Cullen Cemetery. <laughs> I was just waiting for that. Like, I'll be the exact same. I put my hand up. I don't know a local parish. He digs them all too. He digs everything like so, you know, have to support the, the family business even though he doesn't get paid for it. <laughs> Guys, this has been fantastic, but unfortunately we're literally kind of going, coming to the end. But what we do near the end of the show is we do a little thing called dad jokes so I'm quirky and funny like that you know it, it didn't really work out too well in your kind of teenage years when you're kind of like that kind of awkward type kid but now it kind of works yeah. quite well because it's kind of self-expression and etc 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 and c- coming out of a recession you, you know I mean we're all about creativity yeah so um, am I right by saying both of you guys are vegetarians yeah we kind of I flex for food tours because I want to be able to authentically experience a food tour so I can recommend it to clients. But yeah, so I'm a flexi, which I'm sure vegetarians would say I'm not a vegetarian. That's (laughs) like a teetotaler who has a drink every couple of weeks. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those things I'm always saying to Rachel, I was like, don't publicize this, you know, because it's kind of like, you know, when everyone has their own preconceptions. How would you get enough protein? Even though I like, (laughs) even though I eat vegetarian, if someone says that they're a vegetarian in my head, I'm still like, asshole. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, we did it kind of just to try it out like two years ago, and it's worked out really, like, really yeah. well, a lot easier than I thought it would be. So, yeah, the two of us do it, and it makes everything a lot more affordable as well. And <sighs> way more affordable. Yeah. No, but it, it's 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 interesting because t- today uh, a girl said she recognised me from the uh, the vegetarian club. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but I but I never met her before. Okay. <laughs> her before. <laughs> Okay. So wait, oh. is this is this <laughs> I just got it. Sorry. Oh, did I? I yeah. missed no, no, the show no, completely. Just, oh. The two of us are just. Uh, I'm sorry. The two of us are a bit slow. So like dinosaurs, it's it's even better when you have to explain the joke. You know, some yeah, dinosaurs yeah. are herbivores. They oh, eat. Oh. Herbivores. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Uh, if you deliver it again, yeah. I'll laugh on cue. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and take 785. And folks, yeah. um, where is the future? Is You said you're going to do definitely another year of this. Do you guys have long-term goals or do you kind of just do short kind of yearly stints and see where you are in a year's time or how does it work? Um, it'd be even like a lot more short-term than that. We're, we kind of tend to be give or take three months thinking ahead. So we're in Berlin for this month, Edinburgh next, we're back to Ireland for March. March, And then we have an anthem planned. We're actually just talking about it yesterday. So in the coming days or maybe weeks, we'll start to figure that out. But the thing is, you can kind of overthink these things and, you know, uh, pontificate and be wondering, you know, where we'll be this time two years, but we're kind of more going going with the flow and trying to enjoy it as much as possible. And just have fun. Mm. So before we went online, it was kind of a blog that, sorry, Keith also writes a blog. He's one of those guys. Um, He spoke about this, how to become more, was it, fertile, I suppose, in in Prague. So there was this stick that they got essentially, and it was a lollipop. And uh, anyways, I... Uh, thought well, what I got from it was essentially that Rachel was 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 re- ready to conceive. So I asked her, "So Rachel, you're 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 expecting?" And she she just went. The line went blank, and I was like, "Oh, uh, I've said, said something wrong here now." <laughs> the question I have for you is: if if you do guys later down the road, is it uh, are you going to kind of keep doing what you're doing? Or are you going to kind of set up home in a certain specific place? And if that is a home, where will you set up home? So for me, um, when I think of my my future, I'm really interested in owning two apartments. And I know that sounds very lofty, but I feel two apartments equals almost one house. Um, (laughs) But um, we'll kind of see, you know, I, I, from Instagram is great because you can follow all these people who are maybe doing something similar to you, but it's crazy the amount of families that are traveling full time, digital nomads that have kids. And by no means am I saying this is easy. Your bar scene isn't certainly not going to be the same. You have to think about babysitters. You have to think about family friendly activities. But, um, you know, at the moment in my life, um, 
I, I think kids are really, really far down the line. Okay. Um, but I certainly don't think it's impossible, especially when it doesn't cost to, you don't have to pay for a seat on a plane uh, for them yet. And, you know, you're going to be tired and all that jazz um, being a parent from what I've seen. And it's awesome. But, uh, you know, I don't know. The sky's the limit. You know, 2018, I almost said 2017, is... Um, you know, everything is continually being updated and there's just new ways to do something. And, you know, I think that, um, our generation is, you know, pulling out new ways to like take away what we thought we had to do. We're not stuck to one thing, like do what you want to do when you want to do it. And there's always going to be critics that think you're stupid or you'll never be able to retire or whatever it is. Just put them all to the back and do what you want to do and live your life because I don't know how long I'm going to be here. Uh, without sounding morbid. So I'm just going to live it. And, um, you know, we'll see where the yeah. future takes us. And I mean, kids are so much more resilient than people would, you know, yeah. when you see these helicopter parents, you know, worrying about yeah. their kids. Yeah. Like, the amount of times I fell and split my head and all this kind of stuff, do you know what I mean? It's like, there's no, I, I don't know what Rachel argued with this, but there's no, like, long-term damage, usually. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> just, you know, just, you know, throw the kid on the back of the bike and go cycling, do your shopping and all this kind of stuff, you know, it'll be grand. Yeah, you don't have to have your life revolve around your kid. I take that from French parenting, but um, you know yeah. they can still have a great childhood, and you can still have a life. But we're, you know? we're, we're so lucky. I know, like everyone, it's like this kind of uh, brush to tar, like a whole generation with like oh the millennials, this the millennials, that. But like we are like so lucky that and basically anything you want to find out now is online. There'll be someone who's been writing a blog for seven years about it and has seen every single permutation of how it goes down so but do you want to whether it's like you want to retire early you want to travel with kids you know you want to make money in the stock market there's someone who's done longer than you much better than you that you can just learn and yeah. copy and you know what i mean like it's uh and then with digital nomad jobs you can do whatever you want from wherever you want if you just kind of have a bit no have the balls don't be afraid to quit things either that's along with the thank you cards you know if i didn't like try to quit that job i wouldn't even have this opportunity you know you don't you don't get what you don't ask for usually in life. So just, I think, push the boundaries a little bit and send thank you cards afterwards. Folks, you heard it here first. <laughs> Rachel and Keith, uh, a breath of fresh air. I want to just finish off by you kind of giving us your platforms. Where can we get you? Um, I know Keith, as I said briefly, said you, you're doing a fantastic blog. Uh, and Rachel, you've got For the Story Vacations. Just give us a little bit of a kind of a lowdown on where everyone can get you. Um, so my website is www.forthestory.vacations with an S. So .vacations replaces .com. Um, and my Instagram is all together for the story vacations and it's F-O-R. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'd be, do it for the story. Do it for the story. Yeah. Kind of like that. Yeah. But, um, you know, I work with every budget from, you know, students, Erasmus trips to, you know, high-end boutique I mean, it just... I'd love to help anybody out that is looking to have an adventure at whatever price they're at. That's what, um, you know, brings me so much joy. Yeah. And I'm on Instagram at Keith Bowen, K-E-I-T-H-B-O-H-A-N. And so where were we.com. It's the old blogging. <laughs> Beautiful. 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 <laughs> Folks, as I said, it's been absolutely fantastic talking to this couple today and it's been absolutely fantastic for you guys here listening in I mean this wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for yourselves and thank you for, very much for your support um, it's been a whirlwind of um, whatever two or three months and it's fantastic to be able to speak to people like this so to keep this coming on get on to me subscribe like the page do whatever you like but please let me know how you're getting on how you're doing reach out to me and thank you so much for for listening today and uh thank you so much to rachel and 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 uh, keith thanks and, for having uh, us yourself. we were listening to the like listen over the old podcast as well yesterday and it's like it's really good really interesting it's super professional as well. seriously yeah. you're amazing that, uh, and I, I feel really, really lucky we're that really you enjoying it as someone us. as someone who like i barely ever sleep and i listen to podcasts the whole time so it's great to have another podcast that we can listen to <laughs> Thanks for, really coming yeah, but thanks for letting me join it. Oh, of course, of course. Folks, this was the Dodcast. We'll see you again soon. Bye-bye.